Hello friends, welcome to episode 84 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Uh, you know, uh, I would say not horrible. Okay, fair and middling. Yeah, yeah, I'd put myself at that about level. I mean, work's been a little stressful and... You know, we're we're in that Christmas slash not Christmas crunch time. Yeah, a lot yeah. of holidays. So you know, uh, people taking vacations before the end of the year. So oh, yeah. messing with things, and then like, do you see friends? Do you not see friends? You know, I know in our state we're back on lockdown for a little mm-hmm. while longer, and you know we're all trying to be real careful about that because numbers are not going the greatest. But, you know, just managing the stress. I think that's the biggest thing right now. And, uh, you know, our, our weekly therapy session is here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We... <laughs> Time to talk to each other and to our <clears throat> listeners, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Um, we're glad to have you guys out there and keeping us on our even keel. We hope we're doing the same for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I've been uh, playing around a little bit more with some uh, some of the, the virtual tabletop sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that we can continue gaming in this uh, strange lockdown times that we were living in. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's all going well. We haven't really played uh, any D&D or anything like that this week, though. So No, we've got really... some stuff coming up. We've got some stuff coming up. Yep. Um, I know my game's coming up, your game's coming up. Um... End of the month, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be later this month. Speaking of things coming up, mm-hmm. it is going to, on December 30th this year, we have a show. Instead yep. of the first of the year, which is what we did last year, uh-huh, which uh-huh. was great, uh, we're going to be doing another appreciation show. Yes. So uh, if you're hearing this, be prepared that on <clears> December 30th, we'll be doing a show again. We will be doing prizes again for people who are asking questions. We'll be doing uh, random drawings. Uh, but a special offering will be happening this year mm-hmm. that we didn't do last year. We are actually going to have some physical prizes yeah uh we'll be talking about those more later this month we don't want to give away too much right now but uh give away that's funny uh, but but they're nice they're they're, they're, they're very, very nice. nice they are very nice gifts we were uh we were able to connect with someone uh a uh that we're going to be doing uh a review on some of their things mm-hmm. and we'll be posting that uh and letting you guys know when that's ready to go so we'll be we'll be opening with a live chat for uh for for everybody at that uh for yep. that episode um so if if you haven't already uh d- d- tell your friends yeah. tell your enemies tell your friends enemies yeah. um uh, listen to us live um wednesday night on uh december 30th uh, december 30th well, I mean, listen to us every every oh, yeah, Wednesday yeah, night yeah, yeah. at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, mixlr.com slash storyteller-conclave. Yep. And uh, if you are live there, join us on Discord in our live show chat. Yep. And you'll be eligible to uh, possibly win some of these. Yep. All you'll have to do is make sure that you get on the Discord uh, before the show, before 4 p.m. on the show. I will make sure everybody has their roles, and we will open up the live chat. And uh, we'll have everybody in there to be able to have some of those prizes, and we'll have some fun with it this year. I think it's going to be great. So a little, little, little Christmas late, but uh, preparing early, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll go with that. But tonight we have a system spotlight. A system spotlight. Yes. Uh, we love to keep doing these because uh, uh, I think you know a lot of a lot of role playing circles become very D and D centric. Well, it opens doors, and it opens doors for for not only us but you guys, everybody mm-hmm. as well. Um, like to just uh, talk about different games that are out there because a lot of different games do a lot of different things very well. Um, and some and not all not all games do everything very well. So yeah, I mean, and and not every system fits with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you need to be able to. Uh, do something light and easy because you don't want to carry around 50 books. Yeah. Or maybe you're looking to get very deep into something that you just recently read. Maybe you just read, you know, Forgotten Realms books and you're like, oh, I'm so down on this and I want to do that specifically. And that's where you got to lean. But mm-hmm. every once in a while you need something different. Yep. Something to spice spice things up. So here we are tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, Pinnacle Entertainment's Savage Worlds. Yes. Um, uh, otherwise known as Suede, the uh, Savage yes. Worlds Adventure Edition. Edition. That's right. Savage Worlds Adventure Edition Suede, um, yep. which is a uh, a rules a kind of a rules light ish. Yeah, it emphasizes speed of play. Um, 
and reduction of preparation. Mm-hmm. So you're you're not getting a lot of realism or detail. It's definitely more toward my side of cinematic and heroism yes, yes. Uh, than gritty realism, which sits on your side. Ah, uh, you know, here's the thing: is I, I, I'm about I'm about realism in my narration and my story. One hundred percent, I agree. But not, but believe it or not, not as much in my rules. Like I love rules light. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, I'm I've been the one steadily advocating for for dread and oh. uh, warrior rogan mage. No doubt, I'm with you on that. Uh-huh. I'm with you on that. But your brain <clears throat> mechanics tend to go into that, which we talked about reasoning yeah. why you had such a hard time getting to where you are, even with your current game, oh, is yeah. because you were trying to build a system to make it work. Right, right. and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I need to take a step back here. Well, this yeah. takes it a step back even further than that. It does. Yeah, it Savage, does. Savage World definitely has a rules light system that is different, without a doubt different. And it didn't start all that long ago. No, it really um, didn't. Because 97 was when uh, Deadlands was published, right? Right, okay. right. Uh, well, so 97, um, Pinnacle published Deadlands, The Great Rail Wars. Oh, that's right, Great Rail um, Which was a, a miniature war game, much like uh, Malifaux mm-hmm. or you know, Mordheim, or some of the other games you may have heard of, uh, or uh, War Machine, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was you know? single-figure skirmish. Yes. Yes, not group tactics, but single-figure. Um, and so the, the rules are greatly simplified down um, a version of the Deadlands system, which mm-hmm. is a weird West setting. Yes. Um, so you're going to have your... Uh, uh, supernatural mixed with Wild West. Yes, um, I remember that. And it focused, like I said, like you said, on, on single single skirmish miniatures. Um, however, then it was it was kind of refined mm-hmm. uh, and, and worked on uh, to kind of make it a little more generic, a little more open for for everything. Um, in October of 2007, Pinnacle released Savage Worlds Explorer Edition, um, which was a just a small little paperback version of the rules, um, and uh, came along with um, Deadlands Reloaded. Which was kind of a new new version of of of, of the Deadlands rules, um, and was released at Origins. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, they they did get an award there, if I remember correctly. Yes, they won okay. actually the Origins award for best role playing game supplement. Okay, yeah. so yeah, um, and it wasn't big. It was a it was a simple paperback. Yeah, it was a little little paperback thing. Yeah, I think that was really. Uh, I, I would if I remember correctly, those years were the I have a small game years, mm-hmm. and here it is, and they were fantastic. There were all kinds of crap that came out at that oh, time yeah. that was. Yeah, like rules light, rules simple, small setting kind of stuff that was different. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this definitely fit well into that. Um, what's neat is in 2015, I didn't even know they did this oh, until God, I looked yeah. it up. They they created a supplemental converting rifts, the yes. Palladium system uh, or setting into Sha- Savage Worlds, which like is a, neat. I feel so dumb because like we did that entire thing I on know. rifts and Palladium and stuff like that. And I had no idea Savage nope. Worlds did that in 2015 converted the entire system over there yeah. um i was just up on drive through rpg earlier today looking at savage world's books and mm-hmm. there are like five or six supplements that i saw just just scanning through oh there's a bunch that pinnacle did uh-huh. uh which we're gonna get into but there's a ton out there that people added on mm-hmm. you know settings things like you know in 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 uh a rotter style rules that they threw in um but i think in the last in the, in, now again, I, this is where it gets a little challenging. In the explorers, they added chase rules. That was mm-hmm. one of the things they added in that was unique about that. But it wasn't until just 2018 when they did the Kickstarter again that they created the adventure edition, which is what we know as Suede now. Right, 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 right. Um, which was funded in six minutes. I found out. Oh my god, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's only a ten dollar book now. You can get the PDF yeah. on on Drive Through RPG, which is fantastic. Yep, I, I love that kind of accessibility. I bought a supplement today that was more expensive than the core <laughs> rules for Suede. Yes. Well, I mean, and keep in mind that the Adventure Edition is basically the paperback style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the rules. There's no setting. And that's the one thing that they kind of pride themselves on is it's, and I'm going to say this and I don't mean it in a negative way, it's closer to GURPS in the way that it's handing you a system and letting you take a setting from it. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I, I heard somebody else who was describing uh, uh, this, just describe, um, basically, Savage Worlds is to GURPS what, like, Pathfinder, or what, uh, what, what D&D is to Pathfinder. Like, um, over the years, I think, you know, and, and I've expressed my, my, dissatisfaction i suppose with gurps um it's become just very very bloated like it tries to kind of do everything and you have to like really sift through to find just those little rules that you want to use otherwise you know you end up taking forever to do anything in that game because there's so many rules for everything um and I think I think Pathfinder in a lot of ways has kind of become that too it's a very it's a very granular system for people who do like that crunch um 
Whereas 5th edition uh, D&D kind of decided, like, we don't need that level of crunch. Like, we can really strip 90% of this out and you're going to get a better gameplay experience. Yeah. And I think Savage Worlds did that exact same thing with a generic setting. Mm-hmm. Or, or with a settingless setting. You know, settingless a, a, a generic, you know, a uh, generic role-playing system. System, yes. Um, I'm following you. And so, yeah, you can use Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is designed for really any style of story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, there are rules in there for powers and whatnot. Um, there are rules in there for, you know, your firearms, your melee weapons, all Magic. that sort of jazz. Magic. Uh, weird science. Mm-hmm. Um, strange creatures. The core rulebook comes with, like, elves and dwarves and gnomes mm-hmm. and stuff like that in it. Yep. Um, so it already it already supports fantasy and, you know, obviously... Contemporary, and, contemporary and future. In future, uh, but there are also other like expansion books and stuff like that that kind of came out for it. Like we were talking about rifts, mm-hmm. deadlands, mm-hmm. Um, but there are multiple other setting books that are like yeah. uh, weird World War Two, yeah, um, steampunky kind of stuff, uh, um, cyberpunky sort of stuff. There's yeah. space age sort of stuff out there. Yeah. Um, there's just a superpowers supplement. Yeah, you know, if you want to play four color comic superheroes, whatever. Yeah, and it is still a semi-tactical game Mm -hmm. but definitely heroic it throws to the realm of heroic um i would say as a whole because of of the way the system functions so it is fast it is quick it is easy there's very little you need to get yourself invested in this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the rules seem challenging but i would say as we discuss them it's going to sound challenging but realistically they're just different that's that, that's the key that was my experience when trying to learn the system yeah was uh it, it looks like a lot's going on there's not a lot going on yeah first rule no d20 no d20 there's no d20 no d20 there's no d20 there's literally every other gaming implement in this game except a d20 yeah, stop at d20 you don't need that just you need a d12 forget around the other d's yeah like, beyond that but it does use all the other dice uh-huh. up to that point you know you've got your d4 d6 d uh, d10 d8 d10 yes uh and d12 and uh that is your core mechanic of traits and skills yeah those are actually what your attributes and skills are rated as yeah so it's you don't have like a 15 in strength you've got a d8 yeah strength and so anytime you will require a strength check mm-hmm. you'll roll that d8 yeah the thing that i like that they do which kind of throws in a bit of fate to it if you will mm-hmm. or or luck is that every time you roll a skill or a trait uh trait requirement you get an additional d6 now it doesn't add it just is a different die. Right. And you take the best. You're always having advantage. It's almost like you're always having advantage um, um, on your on your. So you're, it's it's advantageous as a player um, to you, and you become more heroic. Now, there's, there's numbers games to be played there, regardless of how you look at it, but you're always at an advantage because you're rolling two dice. Sure, sure. You and know. especially when you consider that the base target number for every task is four. Yeah. Now, sometimes that might get modified by mm-hmm. by other things. Um, your your role will get modified, but yeah. the target number is always four. Yeah, it it definitely sits in the modification system, um, as a a a base system in that where it's it's a plus one to this or a minus one to this as far as the target number goes based upon setting required. You know, uh, upon the situation. What I think I really like about that is that uh, I I think you know a lot of times in D anD D. You know, your 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 DM will ask you for a uh, like a persuasion check or something. Yeah. You know, and so you'll roll the die and you'll be like, "Oh, it's a 15. Like, because they don't hit it all the way into the twenties. You know, they think that they're they're not succeeding or something like that. Right. And you're like, really? All you needed was a ten. You know, but but they, they you since you haven't made it clear to them what the target number is, right. there's an immediate assumption that oh. It wasn't twenty plus, therefore it's a probably a failure. You know, right? With a system like Swade, you've you always know your target number is four. Yep. So when the storyteller tells you, like, okay, give me a uh, a hacking roll, um, minus two. Yeah. Because this is a computer system you're not familiar with. You know, when you roll your D eight hacking and your D six wild die, and you know you're aiming for a six because you're minus two to the roll. Right. You know? And so when you roll that seven, minus two is five, you automatically know you've succeeded. Like, mm-hmm. you, right there looking at those dice, you don't have to do the, does a seven work? Yeah. Of course a seven works. Yeah. Your target number was four. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's nice because, it again, it puts you back into the I'm a hero. I know what the odds are. I know where I'm going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not only that, they throw other mechanics on top of that to make it even better or, or I wouldn't say easier, but definitely give you another chance. Well, it, 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 it pulls it in from the realm of success and failure into like levels of heroics. Yes. I think you're talking about acing. Uh, not just acing, because acing is exploding in my book, because uh-huh. again, I played 7C. Right, right, so right. when I roll an 8 on a D8, or a 6 on a D6, or a 4 on a D4, I get to roll again. Yep. And it is a cumulative And, it, and it's point. additive for that die. Right. So you can really succeed. If you are lucky enough with a D4, you can roll a 37. It is true. It mm-hmm. is true. I've watched people in 7C. 70, do what, a 70-something? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I want to say at one game session, someone rolled uh, 60-10 for something and rolled four tens and got to re-roll those. And there were tens that came off of that. Um, And it was insane. And everybody's, you know, but again, that's also a high energy moment. Anytime dice explode, everybody's, oh my God, oh my God, like how big is it going to go? Like, what does this really mean? And it, I think there are some things to be said about that, but for the most part, it adds to the energy of the game. Oh, it really does. It and really does. Like, I love and, that. Um, I, I used to play uh, uh, Dragonlance 5th, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 5th Age um, uh, a while back, and that was a card mechanic. Uh, I think I've described it before, yeah. where... Um, uh, when you're doing a check, uh, one of the, one of the, the card suits is Trump for that, uh, uh, for that, for that check. And if you flip a card that is of that suit, you get to flip another one. And if that one's the yep. Trump suit too, you keep flipping. And I watched someone on, on cards do a uh, 43 or something like yeah. that, you know, but to, to give it a perspective is you've got that. And even though you might have that, let's say you fail on, you made a, you make a, a, a two, you roll and you get a one and a two. Mm-hmm. Right. So no successes. Right. You still have something called uh, you still have tokens that are bennies. Bennies. Right. And you can gain bennies in game. These function a bit like um, if you're familiar with fate core, um, mm-hmm. you know, they'll function a little bit like fate points. They'll yep. function a little bit like drama dice if you're familiar yep. with 7C. Yep. And I'm sure a number of other games have these sort of uh, like uh, edge points, I believe, in um, Shadowrun uh, or luck. Edge or luck, depending Edge on, or on luck what you're doing. Yeah. Or karma. I'm not sure. There's a bunch of different karma, going karma on there. pool. Yeah. Um, Edge in BattleTech. Yes, Edge in BattleTech. Battle, uh, but but anyways, these are these these kind of like luck points that you can expend to re-roll your dice, um, or you know just av- succeed, av- avoid certain you know certain terrible mm-hmm. outcomes and stuff like that. Uh, yep. You get three of them at the start of the game session. Yeah, which is. Nice. So regardless of where you left off, where you are in the story, when you start play for the day, mm-hmm. from not a character standpoint, you get three bennies. Yep. And you get to just try. They don't roll over. They don't accumulate. You just get three bennies. Yep. So um, so it, it, it lends itself to being heroic. Mm-hmm. It definitely lends itself, I would say, to a lesser degree of also light character creation for... Uh, your backgrounds and such, because you do have some customization you're doing your player, mm-hmm. um, but you're not going to get into the heavy detail because the only thing beyond your character's traits and base skills, uh, which is again a point by, is um, your character's advantages and disadvantages, which is edges and hindrances. Edges and hindrances, yep. Um, and they cost points uh, and basically just have ranks, right? Mm-hmm. And they go from novice to legendary. Um and the idea is is that your your edges basically just grant you things, grant you small bonuses. Effectively, yeah, little little modifiers to how your character interacts with the world. But beyond that, and and powers, I'll, I mean, well, well, that that's a whole thing on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't have a lot of, um, role play built into your character. There's you, you don't have backgrounds. You don't have that kind of weight sitting behind it. You, you can definitely create it, but it doesn't add to it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have those elements that kind of weigh you down in character creation. You can get in a little faster, and you don't you aren't tying those to your character. Whereas in like D and D, you know, especially fifth edition, I'm actually creating my background while I'm creating my character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, there are ways around that, but effectively, it's the same thing. Seventh C kind of has that same kind of weight to it as well, uh, with how it's uh, how you're tying yourself together uh, on it, and a few other systems do. But this kind of lets you have flexibility there within the story. Yes, it opens up the story. I think a little bit more in that sense. Um, 
but I think that the the hindrances still give you advantage to a degree because again you can take a hindrance to get yourself some bonuses within that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a give and take thing, and I've always been a big uh, proponent of any game that um, uh, incentivizes you to take negative traits. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, quite frankly, I I I think negative traits are what truly makes a character a character. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if your character is just this like good at everything, succeeds all the time sort of person, like where 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 do they find any character definition? You know, what what hurdles do they have to overcome? Okay. Where do they grow from? And I, I definitely see them more as a, um, I'm not somebody who's instantaneously creative about, you know, I, I am, I can now create characters on the fly, but when I started, it was hard for me to visualize what I should do with my character. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I make them unique? And so seeing a list of issues, of concerns, yeah. or bonuses definitely helped me like, oh, this person is you know, uh, blind in one eye. Sure. You know, okay, well, how did he get blind in one eye? And so now I can start thinking about those additions of what he looks like, what he wears, you know, uh, what kind of history happened to create those situations Mm -hmm. and give us a little more flavor. It opens that door to it, but doesn't force me in any way down a path. Exactly. And I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Because you're an active participant in choosing what those, uh, what those disadvantages are. But it helps because it adds it like it, it bridges the gap between I'm a power muncher, uh, you know, I'm a munchkin and I'm going to min max my character perfectly so that they're a god at this one thing. At the same time, kind of forces that person to play the character that fits that min max. Mm-hmm. So it's it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that. I, I do. I do like that. Uh, you get some really neat, st- very very character defining stuff with your edges too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, being that this is a classless system, um, a lot of your, um, I suppose, class definition, your role definition, is going to come from what edges you choose uh, that allow you to do certain maneuvers in combat or socially or whatever um, to uh, really kind of define your role in the group. Um, I saw an interesting discussion on Reddit earlier today about uh, someone who played a rogue in 5th edition mm-hmm. and wanted to kind of get that same sort of combat in the feel um, in Savage Worlds mm-hmm. and was unsure how to do that. And a bunch of people jumped in and was like, well, you could kind of play this style rogue if you took this edge, this edge, this edge, and this edge. Right. You know, And that's that's your character build you know, in giant right. air quotes, you can't right. see it because it's a podcast. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> podcast quotes. But you, you can hear the air quotes. <laughs> this is your character build. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and there's a lot, a lot of really great stuff in there. And of course, um, typically your your expansion books, of course, will uh, offer all sorts of unique edges um, that you can add that are setting specific. Um, so you know, if you are playing a superhero uh, game or something like that, get the superhero book. And add on, you know, add that on, and it will have a bunch of superhero and superpower specific edges for you to to use and further flush your character out and make him make him feel more super. Yeah. Um, and another thing that kind of uh, we were talking about was that the system is generic, so that you can mix uh, ideas. Meaning, uh, science isn't separate from technology, isn't separate from magic. There's a, a a simplisticness to it all that allows you to very easily create something custom that isn't really custom. This is one of my favorite things in Savage World. Because you've got ideas. I've got ideas for where it went. Uh, for where it's going inst- for you. Instantly. Instantly had ideas about this. Um, so the power section is laid out extraordinarily generic. Um and it's it's done that way on purpose so that it can be used for anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what you do though is you set up your um, so you'll, you'll have an uh, uh, an arcane path basically that um, is wh- how you get your powers. Mm-hmm. So is it is it magic? Is it miracles? Is it weird science? Is it high technology? Um, are they mutant powers of some mm-hmm. sort? Whatever you know, but. Uh, those some of those will define you know how many power points you get, how many abilities you can you know how many powers you can choose, things like that. Right. Um, but after that, then what you do is you you go through the the powers list and you create, customize your own abilities. Mm-hmm. So the um, 
the generic version is like blast. Mm -hmm. But let's be real. Okay. A wizard throwing a firebolt Mm -hmm. as well as a uh, a laser cannon as well as a a remote sniper turret. Or Tony Stark's hand things. Tony Stark's little. Tony Tony Stark. Stark, That's good. That was good. Stony, Stony Tarks, Stony Tarks uh, little little <laughs> hand blaster things. Yeah. Those are all blasts. Yeah. What they are is they are a single target burst of damage mm-hmm. that is essentially a projectile attack. Yeah. How many different ways do you need to describe that? You just did. I mean, there's probably 18 different spells in mm-hmm. D&D that do that. Mm-hmm. This is one blast. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want it to do? Yeah. How do you want it to function? Those are called trappings. Nice. So you take your blast skill and you mm-hmm. say, okay, well, I'm going to customize it with these trappings. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can only be used in certain circumstances. Maybe it does a little bit of extra damage, but at a sacrifice of range or whatever. Um, and you can uh, customize a little bit about how many power points it takes, mm-hmm. um, how many times you can use it, things like that. And really whittle it down so that your your blast mm-hmm. is now suddenly a, you know, your strategic homeland division shade tech sniper turret and it's unique to you but in at its core it's still just a blast you know yeah um and they've got all all your core spells that you would think of between you know flight to invisibility to force fields intangibility teleportation um speak with animals uh you know putting people to sleep uh all that sort of stuff is in there but in its most purest generic form so that you can customize it how you need for your setting. And and that's wonderful. That makes that that puts it back in the realm of I'm kind of making my setting. Yeah. I'm making my own setting, but at the same time I'm defining the rules of that setting. What really gets me though is that the, it, it it sparks creativity so much because mm-hmm. how many times have you have you had had a player come to you and say, "Hey, can I have this thing that I can't find in the book that like does this? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a framework for doing that. Yeah. Like what you've respect- effectively is described to me is a invisibility spell that is a self target only one use item. Mm-hmm. That's basically an invisibility belt. Yeah, sure. There's a power in the book for it and I can tweak it with these trappings and yeah, you can have that. Yeah. You know? Uh, as long as you take this edge to be able to use it, bam, there right. you go. You've got it. Yeah. There's a framework for building all those cool little things that mm-hmm. your players will ask you for that that may not fit into a more rigid system like Dungeons & Dragons that defines class abilities very strictly. Or goes to the fantifical, uh, you just have it, of adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you just have that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, building Batman in that universe versus building it within Savage World is different but that's the extreme. It's like, I have to have the item in D&D. In this, I build a power set that fits the tool set uh-huh. that I have before me. And then adventure is just, yeah, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you got one of those. Let's just say you do. Yeah. Yeah. What you going to use what, Use it for? Right, right. Um, The other thing that's different, um, because again, you don't have a D20, initiative. Mm-hmm. Use a deck of cards. See, this is... Uh, I, 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 I like and dislike this at the same time because on one hand, uh, I think it's really inventive as hell mm-hmm. um, to use a deck of cards. But on the other hand, it's like I almost I, – and, and I, I know that there's a, there's a subset of people out there who are like, you use dice for literally everything else. Why are we using cards? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's the game showing its Deadlands roots, yeah. I think is what it comes down to. You've got the poker chips for your bennies. Mm-hmm. You've got the cards for initiative, and then you got dice for everything else. Um, but I think if you can get past that, though, mm-hmm. like cards are a really inventive way of doing it. No, I, I think they're I think they're fun. It adds a different element. Yeah. Um, it definitely randomizes in a different way and mm-hmm. adds in again some randomness to it, where like jokers allow you to go when you want to go, whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to so... go just before this dude? You can. Sure. Sure, yeah, dude. Yeah. You got a joker. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And and that changes the system and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that adds a element that dice can't quite add. Well, because there's no replacement. There's only one ace of spades in the in the deck. And it's every turn. Mm-hmm. Which is totally different than like D D where it's like, I always know I go on a fifteen unless I get like hasted or somebody gets knocked down in the order or I have to wait my turn or whatever. Like 
now it's every turn it changes the tone of the combat and especially when you have a powerful card like the joker in there that allows you to go whenever you want an initiative <laughs> it's cool when like you re like you see that joker get reshuffled back into the deck and you're like oh is this is this going to be my turn i can i can hardly wait to see what i get you know you may be able to just do something really awesome the next turn since it is every single turn you roll you you uh, you draw initiative right right uh it was one of our uh uh, one of our Discord members, uh, Knox, just added, "Don't use Uno. That's how you lose friendships." Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I could what see. You, what did you get for uh, for initiative? Draw four. Oh. What did you get? Reverse. Ooh, Ooh. that's gonna change everything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, I really, I like that. I mm-hmm. like the the difference in that. And plus, it it's it, for me. It, it's like pulling out a deck of cards is is kind of a is a thing you wouldn't normally think of. At an yeah. RPG table. I yeah. mean, granted, some people, like, uh, uh, 7th has tarot moments, you know, in it. Malifaux uh, plays entirely off of cards. Right. Yeah. But it's it's a nice little fun element mm-hmm. to throw something. And it's a visual representation. I love props, and that goes into the prop onto the table. And you can get custom decks and things like that to make it even more fun. And because it's all cards, you can kind of almost, like, deal out the hand on top of the, you know, in, in order. So everybody can kind of see the initiative order sitting there, mm-hmm. you know. And since you're not using your dice, nobody's reaching for those cards to pick them up to reuse them for another purpose. That's all they do is initiative. They're just sitting there. So it's it's nice if you are playing in person to have that visual representation of uh, almost seeing like the poker, you know, flop, Hand, yeah, you know, the or poker the flop, flop yeah. out there. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So mm-hmm. um, and that's it. That's the game system. Yeah. Basically. In a nutshell. I mean, um, you, you just your target number is either four or some value thereof, either down or up a little bit. Yeah. The, the um, only exception to that is combat, actually. Yeah. Um, combat. Well, I should say actually melee combat. Yes, which is because even ranged combat, your initi- your 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 modifier is four, but then that gets or your target is four, but then that gets modified by like range and cover right. and such like Typical that. Things, so yeah. you you may be you may have to roll a twenty six on your die to hit the person, but your target number is still four. That's right. <laughs> you know. That's right. Because you're minus twenty two to your roll. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Because of weird modifiers and stuff like that. But uh, combat is the only time where your target number actually changes. And that is uh, your character will have a derived score from their, I think it's agility and fighting skill, mm-hmm. is uh, determines what your parry attribute is. Which is uh, similar to 7C in that design. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you just you just derive it. I think it's like uh, the, the average of those two plus, uh, plus two or something. Okay. Um. So if you got a D8 for one, a, D, a D6 for the other, that's an average of seven between the two, mm-hmm. plus two. So you've got a parry of nine. Yep. Um, and that's the target number people need to hit if they want to hit you in melee combat, punch you or stab you or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. Everything else is super simple. Mm-hmm. It's whatever die you're rolling um, for your attribute or skill mm-hmm. and your wild die, which you always get because you're yep. a wild card. You yep. are a, a hero. Yep. Um, which is always a D6. Mm-hmm. So it's always a die plus a D uh, and a D6. Yep. And then whichever the, whichever the better one of those two is, that's what you get. Yep. And then you ace it mm-hmm. if it happens, which is wonderful. And I, that's it. Like yeah. that's, that's all of Savage Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Like I almost, I almost feel like I, it's, it's a blessing and a curse covering these rules light systems in these system spotlights because. Yeah. But there's other pieces to it. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that it does well and doesn't do well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that um, I'll start with the wells. Um, it's odd mechanics, but simple. Like you can pick this up in in a, in, a, in a session zero without knowing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like literally if I like I, I, I mean, uh, Overwatch used it in the game, the one shot that we used. Mm-hmm. And it was I mean, there was very little stumbling. I think we played a total of like five or six hours. Oh, okay. Um, none of us knew anything except for him. What was the setting you guys were playing? Um, it was a custom setting. Okay. It was just a, a an end of world setting that he had done. Okay. So um, we just had some fun with it, and it was great. It worked out fantastically. Um, he, I don't even think he used all of the rules, mm-hmm. which was nice, and it just really worked well and didn't pollute the setting at all. It allowed us to just enjoy the system. Yeah. Or, or yeah. not the system, the, the game. Um. 
heroism is high, which I love. Yes. That's that's huge on my thing. I love being I love seeing heroic players do heroic things. Yeah, I it's it's a system that I I knew this and would appeal to you instantly mm-hmm. um coming from the Chevin C background because it does make that distinction between heroes and non-heroes. Mm-hmm. Your characters are wild cards and that's why they always get that additional D6 to roll because yep. sure that's going to make them succeed like tons of times you know, you're, you're gonna be succeeding a lot more than you're gonna be failing with that wild die being thrown in all the time but not everybody gets that right. you get it because you're a hero yeah you're special yeah and and it allows you to cheer for your players mm-hmm. which is wonderful which is wonderful um the base book is light inexpensive yeah. available um super available and low and, low barrier for entry and accessible because it isn't 7,000 pages mm-hmm. filled with, you know, presetting designs. You know, yeah. the players can grab it, read the rules, and be done. Yeah. I love those. Yep. Um, one of the things I really like about it, too, is that uh, the um, the other particular trappings of, of, of playing Savage Worlds, your mm-hmm. dice, your, your cards, mm-hmm. your tokens for your bennies, are all common household items. Yeah. Like, everybody has those things. Everybody has a deck of cards sitting around. And if you don't, it's 45 cents at your local, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your local uh, uh, whatever dollar store, you know. Or you can make it. Yeah. You can just take some 3 by 5 cards and you're done. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it, everything is very accessible. Uh, there's You only need one of each die. You don't even need your D20. No. Nope. It's not even percentile die. It's not even like you need two D10. No. Nope. You literally only need one. Yeah. You can play the whole game with a single set of dice for everyone. Uh-huh. So, again, super accessible in that sense. Yep. Um, and then Benny tokens are literally just anything you can keep count with. Yeah. Anything. You could use quarters. You could pennies, use anything. Yeah. Little glass beads. Do people still have pennies? <laughs> so, people so many pennies. Have, they've, they've, I think they've all been relegated to jars. Probably. Yeah. Probably. That explains why nobody has change anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, just because change comes from within. Uh, but another thing, based on all of this... They created a site um, that's like D&D Beyond for character creation. So you can actually go to savage.us, do character creation, management, um, customization, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful and super accessible on the price range. It's $30 a year if you register and you get like, I think it was something on 500 500 characters you can create. Oh, yeah. And you have access to all of the books, Mm -hmm. all of them for for any of the content, which is fantastic. Yeah. Like... That that right there is a unbelievable accessible point. And the character creator was 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 very kind to the customization because I was I was wondering yeah. how they were going to do you know for for as customizable as the game system is yeah um, you know create your own powers. How do you write a system for that? Well, you just write in all the core mechanics. You give it the trappings and stuff of like that. It does all the mechanical adjustments for you and then says, "What do you want to call this one?" Yeah, I want to call it flame turret. All right, you there have you a flame turret now. Cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, making Boba Fett's armor, easy. 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 Uh, but one of the things that we just discovered this morning was that Foundry VTT has a developer who re... I mean, they had a module for this, but this is now like the 2.0 of it that's being released now f- directly uh, with assistance from Pinnacle. So you've got a developer who's 100% connected to both of them, and there's now going to be integration with... Uh, I believe savage dot us. Um, they're still working on that, and I, I kind of tried to get some information, but it's really early. Um, but uh, I think it's Flowred, 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 something like that. Yeah, who is the developer? I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. Um, but uh, um, Flowred or Flowride? I, I couldn't remember which. Yeah, uh, but uh, they are uh, the one heading up this development. It's on GitHub to be able to see it. And it's fantastic. It like, uh, if you get a chance, um, there's a release on uh, foundry VTT. They did a release on it. Mm-hmm. Um, also the discord channel has um, a, a section to it and you can actually talk with the developer and they, they love talking to people. Holy crap. Um, which is fantastic. I love that kind of community um, and connectivity. Um but it is very accessible as a module and mm-hmm. is going to be very integrated. It's obvious what they're we're throwing together here to make it super easy to work with. I um I didn't eat lunch today <laughs> because I spent my lunch break downloading it on Foundry mm-hmm. and uh, playing around with it a little bit. And I pulled up the um I created an actor and then pulled just pulled up the character sheet the blank character sheet from them. I didn't import anything, so I didn't have anything okay. to import. Um, but it was like it was like looking at a three by five card. 
Yeah. I'm like, oh, like, so like the, the, the D&D ones have, like, even even 5th edition, which I have praised for being very slimmed down from its previous uh, previous yeah. editions and stuff like that, still has, like, multiple tabs for equipments and spells and abilities and all that jazz. Things can easily be hidden or lost. This whole thing was like a 3x5 card. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, including, like, a whole section for your bennies, which are literally just three big tokens. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but again, super accessible. Yeah. Like, super easy to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of, of the system is its accessibility, is its availability, its uh, its community that still follows. Well, I say still, it's really not that old altogether. I shouldn't be making it seem like it's that old. Um, but uh, it's strong. Yeah. Like, there's there's a, a good community out there for it, and that's wonderful to see. That's it, it's, it's, a, it's got good energy. Mm-hmm. And... It's easy to get behind, and you can't beat that. Like when you look at a system and you're like, "Oh, I wonder if anybody still plays this," and you do a simple search, and suddenly you're coming back with a hundred different hits and whole communities and Discord channels and you know and uh, clear excitement, not not gate you know capped, not this is the way you should be playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nice, and not not one of those like dead communities. Like anybody still play this game? No. Oh yeah, me and my friends still play. We dusted the books off. You know, no, it's like a very thriving community, very very healthy community for it. Yeah, uh, I joined the subreddit for Savage Worlds earlier today. Oh, wonderful. Um, okay, and so yeah, just a lot of great discussion on yeah. there. Um, people asking, you know, what would be the best way to customize this particular thing? Because uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to customize mine for um to represent Tom Clancy's The Division, it's mm-hmm. a video game that I very much love that I'd love to. Uh, I think it's my new thing. Is taking game settings, taking video games, and trying to turn them into role playing games. I mean, it's a it, it it's a show of love. I think it is. I mean, it we is. could do a whole show on just you know doing parodies of the things we love in games. Yeah, that's fair. That's it's fair. it's easy to do. You do what you know. But uh, to get away from my, my my video game turned into a tabletop role playing <laughs> game of Elder Scrolls, I decided to run a quick little. I'd say it's a one shot, but a short run, a yeah. short run game of a video game turned into a role playing <laughs> game of the division instead. Um, and I've decided to use Savage Worlds for it, um, using the uh, the powers as the the high tech, you know, future tech sort of stuff that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I was searching on there, and there was a bunch of other people who were kind of trying to do the same sort of stuff I was. Um, it was very refreshing to see you know discussion that took place literally three hours ago. Going, you know, hey guys, how do I, if I wanted to represent this, how would you do it? I was thinking of using this rule or this rule and having other people jump in and go, oh yeah, well, you know, I, I tried this and it worked well. Or mm-hmm. maybe try the rules from this book or that supplement, you know, uh, very good active discussion and very helpful community I saw. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is uh, Knox uh, had brought up, um, you know, could you do a bizarre campaign where your kingdom hearts traveled to new worlds, a.k.a. different systems, where you're basically moving between settings, even? There was, um, oh, there, no, there was, there was a, uh, there was a, um, a tele, I don't want to say televised, but like a, like a streamed, you know, online sort of mm-hmm. game. Uh, somebody was doing the, um, I want to say it was like Infiniverse or something like that, mm-hmm. where every week they played a new game system but it was one story nice I, i'm gonna have to look into that because i i only ever heard of it i didn't ever watch any of it but now no now, now you're thinking up, yeah. i, I kind of want i kind of want to look at it yeah yeah i there was a a long time ago i had written up an idea of doing an infiniverse kind of thing where uh players uh get tossed into something and mm-hmm. are stepping through worlds to solve the problem yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so um Sean was actually talking about uh, doing a Stargate system. Oh, yeah, uh, there you it's, go. It's not necessarily going to different... It's it's more different worlds in the literal sense right. than, than, like, a reality-shifting thing, but, right. like, literally traveling across the galaxy and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I saw there is a Stargate supplement for Savage Worlds. It looked pretty nice, so... Um, hmm. Yeah, no, I think, that's, I think that's, a, that's a great idea. And honestly, if you wanted to just... If you, if you didn't want to shift game systems... Just stay in Savage Worlds. You could cover all of that. Yeah, Very I mean, you easily. could you could Savage World up, use Savage World setting, and move through game settings. Mm-hmm. Every you know, do Forgotten Realms, and but Savage World is the system. Do you know uh, Robotech? Do Rifts? Do yeah. Shadowrun? Do all those? Just walk through the universes. Yep, 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 yeah, yep. You could totally do it. Absolutely. So now to get to the bad. Because that kind of is what I wanted to, where this leads to is that 
if you're looking for something gritty mm-hmm. or something highly detailed, it isn't the thing to do that. Right, right. It is abstract, it's heroic, but it's not Shadowrun. Yeah. It's not D&D 5th edition. Right. Um, it It is great for a system and, availab- and availability and exceptionability, but it's abstract in that sense. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the granular sort of details, the gritty realism out of it. Um, right. It's just it's just not what not how the system functions. Right. Um, I think one of my my main concerns with it, and I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that the uh, on the surface, suede feels like it's a little bit all over the place. Right. Like one one mechanic uses tokens, one mechanic uses cards, one mechanic uses dice. All your different all of your different skills and stuff of that use different dice. Uh, we're used to you know if if something uses multiple dice, it will be two d six instead of one d six. You know, 3d6 instead of 2d6. And there are some stuff that roll like that, but oftentimes you're rolling mixed dice in Savage Worlds. And so if you're looking for that sort of comfort and familiarity in your gaming system, the one thing that Suede will kind of throw you a curveball on is that there's a bunch of disparate mechanics all working together. Yeah. Every single one of those is a very simple mechanic, but there's no one core mechanic that kind of unifies the entire game. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Um, also, you're dealing with toolkits to get the distinct flavor. Other books. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking like, oh, if I, if you go to the main book and you're like, oh, I really want to do cyber technology, it's not necessarily going to be in that book to give it to you. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it feels a lot like, uh, you know, your second edition D&D where like, oh, I want to know more about druids. Well, get the complete guide to druids. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Um but again, they're very accessible, so I guess that they're more accessible than second edition was in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing is, nothing's nothing prevents you from playing a druid mm-hmm. using the core rules, not in the least. Yeah, but at a certain rate, though, you kind of have to build that druid yourself. Yeah, if you want something, you're going to have to go get it from a tool. There's there's nothing in the core rules that will lend itself towards doing anything special. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you do, like, like I said earlier, there's like a superhero toolkit out there. So sure. if you're trying to play a superhero, you can do that with the core rules, but you're going to do it so much better with the with the superhero toolkit. Yeah, someone's already done it. Go yeah. go get it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really what it is, is that it's they came up with a way to compendium into the, each one of these toolkits what each does best. Yep. And I think that that's great. But at the same time, it cuts down some of the accessibility. Yeah, 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 it does. It does. When you when you have to kind of piecemeal your, your rule set together a little right, bit. Right, right. And that's where, I guess, costs can start going up, because at that point, you're picking up all these toolkits to go along with your core book, and now you're starting to get to, like, does it cost me $30 to play this game if I want to play it this way? And the answer is technically, yeah, if, you, if you've got that focus, but at the same time, you could play it a lot lighter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, playing D&D with you know it, it, now because 5th edition has the adventure kit you know basically where it comes with the basic rules and a board and cards and, and dice and everything too, I, in a module and I think it's like yeah. right now in the uh, I want to say at one point it was in the $20 range yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great mm-hmm. i mean that again that brings accessibility and that's really what you want this definitely lends into that accessibility cuz for 20 bucks you could play this game comfortably mm-hmm. yeah. yeah very comfortably yeah so, anything else come off the top of your head? Uh, I, I just, I think the more I learned about Savage Worlds as I was studying up for this for this particular podcast and reinforcing the knowledge I kind of already had about the system, um, I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I spent my lunch break downloading the, the Savage Worlds module for it for Foundry VTT and kind of getting that set up. Um, I like that it is already built for miniatures play, mm-hmm. uh, so it lends itself very much to the style that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, building maps, placing miniatures, or in this case now, foundry tokens. Being tactical. Being tactical about things. Um, and the rules are all expressed in that way of you can move so many squares or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be using hexes for mine, though. I, I love hex grids. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it, just just read, the more I read the rules, um, the more inspired I felt. And I think that that's... It's not a tangible thing that I can quantify about the system. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was any one particular rule or anything like that that made me feel like this was a really good system. But I feel like it's open enough to let your creativity breathe and allow you to do anything. And I felt very good about that. And the more I read, the more inspired I felt and the more I wanted to run it. So you'd say, in a word, this system made you feel inspired. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. think for me it's accessible. Absolutely. Like I look at this and I see this is accessible and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. We've got some good questions. All right. Uh, so Nox in the Box throws at us. I'm not even going to pretend to understand <laughs> acing or exploding dice or anything, but wouldn't having a higher probability dice uh, dice to ace with, like a D4, which has a 25% chance to roll a four, sure, make you able to let it ride and get higher scores than if your skill dice were a higher D6 plus? Which is an excellent point. How likely no. is something like this to happen? So... Actually, talking a little bit of math, a little bit of probability here. Yeah. So, you use D4 through D12. Sure. A D4 aces on a 4. Right. Which is a 25% chance to roll that on that die. Sure. Bump that up to a D6, and you have a 12.5% chance to roll a 6. Correct. Technically, you will be acing half as many times... Oh, wait, no, not 12 points. Uh, Sorry. What is that? It's like a 17% chance. So, yeah, okay. 17% chance um, to to ace on a D6. Mm-hmm. That goes down to 12 and a half on a D8. Mm-hmm. It goes down to 10% on a D10. Mm-hmm. And goes down to, I think it's 8% on a D12. Something mm-hmm. like that. 8%. Um, so technically, it's easier to ace and therefore rack up really ridiculous high die rolls on a D4. Yes. But at the same time... That's not what the system's trying to get you. It's trying to get you to a D, to a, a success of a four. Right, right. So your percentage chance of of success it, on a D four is the same. On a D six, you now have a four, five, or six, mm-hmm. and that that's really where the system is leaning into it. But I I get the whole like, hey, if I want to get an exploder and have that happen more often, why not just do D fours all the time? Because your failure rate is way higher. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> like, even if I do, even if I don't ace on that D six and I roll a five instead, I'm already higher than the D four will ever be. Correct. You know. Right. Um. So, I, I somebody somebody did the math. There was a really great discussion that um mm-hmm. one of our other listeners, Draven, posted um on uh in in the the general channel of our Discord. Yeah. Um. To a discussion that took place, it was exactly that. Yeah. And somebody crunched the numbers. I'm bad at the math. Yeah. 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 Um. But somebody did the number crunching and stuff like that of all the probabilities and stuff like that. And it's like, technically, you have a 2% higher chance to ace on a D4 or hit hit like a 6 on a D4 than you do on a D6 when it comes down to acing and then re-rolling on the 4. Sure. Um, but like, the benefits you get for having a D6 is so much better than just that 2% little edge case of hitting one very specific number. Um, So, yes, technically it's easier to ace on a D4, but the benefits of having a bigger die and just just having bigger numbers coming out of it is so much better than, you know, than than depending on aces Mm -hmm. to be able to do the things you're looking to do. Yeah, and... And that's really where it leans into. Plus, you have a D6. You're also rolling a D6. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've got your wild die anyway. So, yeah. you know, what would you rather be rolling? A D4 and a D6 or two D6, you know? Right. I, I'd rather have successes. Yeah, your numbers, I mean, are, your numbers are just going to come out higher. So. Right, right. Um, and so I, I think in that sense that uh, if you're talking about just a straight numbers game, sure. But at the same time, like... You're not constantly rolling, right? It isn't. It isn't a. I'm rolling now and I fail, and so I'm going to get another success in the next one, and that's going to counteract the failure I did. If we're playing an odds game, role playing is not where you play your odds. Yeah, yeah. And you also have to consider too that the the um the ability scores have uh or the die sizes have different um uh, game effects as well. Yes. So for instance, um. All of your skills are tied into their uh, particular attributes. Right. Um, so, you know, your firearm skill is going to be tied into your agility, right? Sure. Uh, so if, you're, if your skill die is – if you're trying to get your skill die to exceed your um, – the size of your uh, 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 attribute die mm-hmm. – sorry, I'm stuttering a little bit. You're doing fine. Um, if you're trying to get your skill to exceed its base attribute, it, it begins costing double the advancement points. Right. So, because you're you're essentially trying to reach beyond your own limits, right? If the limit of your agility is a D four, and you're trying to get your your firearms up to a D six, 
you're just not that good, buddy. You're trying right. to reach higher than you can physically, you know, are, are capable of doing it. Right. So. I mean, and, and my whole thought behind it is if I'm if I'm not good at firearms, you know, I'm the, you know, thinky guy mm-hmm. who gets handed a pistol and we're now in a firearm scene. So I'm literally just pointing my gun over a box and squeezing off rounds. Four of those rounds or three of those rounds is missing and one hits a guy in the head. Great. I am not skilled at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that is where that shows, you know, but that moment that I do get a success on it, it's pretty fantastic. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, um, the other example that we saw was, you know, Gornog who, who grabs the helm of the airship and oh, aces it. Yeah. And like, you come running up to the helm, like, oh my God, the airship's going down. And no, it's not. Gornog seems to be piloting it. Right. Gor- <laughs> Gor- Gorthak the barbarian out of time, yeah. who has never seen an aircraft before is now sitting there at the helm with the wind his hair yeah <laughs> just cruising along and it's like gorthok are you piloting the airship it's okay gorthok leaf on wind <laughs> and you're like what does that mean <laughs> and but it's it's funny those moments do exist they do happen yeah and and that's really what those odds kind of play to for heroism right 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 so yeah i'm actually kind of glad you brought up the um the whole idea of like being not good at combat and and like just pointing your pistol over and squeezing off shots and stuff like yeah. that because like so one of the things I was seeing is that there's a lot of maneuvers people who aren't necessarily good at combat can do that can still contribute to combat. Yes. To provide advantages for other people who are good at combat. Mm-hmm. Um, like suppressive fire. There's some really great rules yeah. for suppressive fire. Why there. not? Um, there's some really great rules for, you know, spotting people and, mm-hmm. you know, you just toss a flashbang. Sure. You know, I mean, my God, put making people stunned in this game just does some wonderful things for... The awfulness. You yeah, can we didn't even them. get into how yeah. damage is handled, and, right. and that's its own thing. We're gonna leave that to a side because it's it's it is its own discussion, but again, not challenging. Yeah, we're we're trying to give you an overview and a spotlight here, not yeah. not teach you how to play it. But yeah, but there's... there are some very good. Play- we'll put some links out there. We I found two things that I loved. One was you know a, a simple cartoon of the rules, which was great. Uh-huh. And then the other was that uh, video where the guy went through all the rules and talked about everything. And I thought yeah. that one was a really good one. Both very quick video re uh, video walkthroughs. There's, there's a lot, a lot of great, a lot of great resources. Like yep. you said, it's a very thriving community. Um, Let's squeeze one more question in here before we lose it. Yeah, um, yeah. Overwatch asks: Is there anything you uh, you think is missing from the rules light system, like Savage Worlds, um, or from rules light systems in general? Something that would like uh, that would like mechanics f- that you would like mechanics for, but isn't covered in more simplified and streamlined rule sets. I'm going to say for Savage Worlds, one of the things that it does is the tool sets helps bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Where you think a rule is missing, what really it's not. Um, but I think in general, rules light systems really don't lend to character role play creation, um, and that's that's the only thing I would say in those systems that in those rule light systems that tend to get lost mm-hmm. or left behind. Um, I, I think I think I don't I don't know that 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 Savage Worlds is rules light. I think it's mechanics light. Okay, I'll go with that. Because going through the rules, I mean, it's got plenty of rules for, you know, go, just going through the combat section alone. It's got rules for suppressive fire and, and you, know, throw, you know, stunning people and area effects and grenades and all sorts of different attacks and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty in-depth, but the mechanics behind everything are just a handful of dice. Um, and so I think that it, it really just draws, draws that distinction between rules light and mechanics light, you know, it's got plenty of rules. It just doesn't have a lot of mechanics to resolve those rules. Um, but I think, I think you answered the question nicely. Uh, I, I think Savage Worlds covers a lot of it and what it doesn't cover in its core rules. You can typically find in some sort of a, uh, toolkit or, um, part of the community will help you craft it yourself. There's more than enough stuff that's there to, to put together. Yeah, and and reach out, take a look at the if you've got Foundry VTT, I highly recommend get the module. It's light right now, but get on uh, Foundry VTT's Discord. Take a look at the community. Um, there's a lot of resources out there to help you, and just look at uh, Drive Through RPG. There's a lot of good information out there for the other toolkits. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next week, next week we are talking about LARP, live oh. action role play. Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> uh, it came actually from a contributor. Uh, oh, suggestion. awesome! 
Uh, anyways, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. Join the discussion, shoot us some questions, and uh, just uh, share uh, share your experiences with other storytellers up there. Uh, you can find that link on our website at storytellerconclave.com. Uh, dot com. Yes. A, uh, sorry, I don't have it written Doing down Doing fine. Um, or uh, we tweet it out pretty regularly out on our Twitter. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion. We really appreciate all of your assistance and everyone else who helps us every week make this happen. Our pre-show music is uh, by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music was Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music right now is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash machine slash tracks. And as always, a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you for supporting thank us and so loving us over the years. Our family and friends who have sat with us at our tables uh, uh, and uh, shared all these great experiences with us. <laughs> yes. And every single one of you, our listeners, we love you so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.